I know a lot of us know what Michigan brings to the table because we've been watching them every week, whether you're in the Michigan media, whether you are a fan, you have a pretty good idea of who and what Michigan football is from your perspective. We're now going to go to a national perspective from someone who also has a pretty good idea of who Michigan is. We're going to discuss that with Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Wednesday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And this line, I, mean, I always do this wrong on camera. Let's see. There it is. I actually got the pointing right. Uh, the person over to my left, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic. Uh, she also, at one point in time, was at USA Today proper the and also the Michigan Daily. She is, we've seen her grow in, in amazing ways. And now I consider her to be the best of the best in all of college football writerdom. So, Nicole, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yes, uh, shout out to the Michigan Daily. We can talk about the Daily State News, like that game getting canceled, by the way, at some point on the show. But uh, very excited to be with you. It's uh, It's been too long. I feel like we haven't run into each other on a sideline in, uh, in too long. I know, right? It's And I, I asked you uh, before air whether or not uh, you were at Minnesota because I saw the NBC News because you're also with or you're also with NBC Sports, rather. And uh, I never went over to that side to to, to even see you or Josh or any of the people that I know and like. Uh, I I just was so locked in like the team. Uh, But uh, I'm glad to see you now. It's been since Big Ten Media Days, I think. So uh, nonetheless, obviously, you pay close attention to uh, to Michigan football uh, amongst all of the other teams in college football. But we we have a pretty good idea here on this show of our impressions of Michigan. But what when you take a 30,000 foot view and you look at what Michigan has done so far, what they look like, what do you see? What do you think of this Michigan team? Well, I think this is a very well-timed podcast because we've seen two complete and dominant performances the last two times we've seen Michigan out. I, I think, you know, we were waiting coming into the season waiting to see Michigan and Georgia look like they have been looking recently as like what they are when they're firing on all cylinders, when they're winning games the way that they want to. And we first saw that for Michigan against Nebraska. And, you know, we talk about this all the time about like how Jim Harbaugh is happy winning games. And obviously he wasn't on the sidelines for the first couple games, which is part of the reason, you know, there were just some disjointed moments or JJ making mistakes that he doesn't characteristically make, but It's also like, you know, Jim Harbaugh is happy winning a game that looks uglier than like us wanting to watch a football game looks right. Like he, when he first came back and you look at the stat lines and it's like, oh, it's fine. Like, I mean, it's not like Michigan was like out of control of the game at any point, but you know, I'm sure they could do better and he's still thrilled and he's, you know, doing all of his, um, you know, his, 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 um, you know, comparisons to war and all these different things about ground attacks and all the things he loves. But really like what we saw against Nebraska and then Minnesota is close to firing on all cylinders. I I still think there's another level with the vertical passing game that we've kind of talked about for two years with JJ, but like really controlling the game and just kind of sucking the life out of your opponent. That's what Michigan wants to do. Like this defense is phenomenal. It's terrific. 
And yes, maybe they haven't, you know, been tested against some of the high flying offenses that some of the other top teams have, but they're doing everything that they want to do. And then they're controlling the game. And, you know, Jim's able to get the players out of the game. You know, he talked about, I thought one of the most interesting things anyone said all season was what he was talking about, about running back usage this year and how he was comfortable taking Blake Corum out of a game three yards short of a hundred yards. Cause it didn't matter if he got to a hundred yards, the stat line and, you know, trying to maybe have some resume that like might get Heisman trophy consideration. That doesn't matter. He's trying to limit and, and spread around the carries and, so I, I just feel like they're doing everything that they want to do. They're very comfortable in how they're winning games. And I think if you've been watching Penn State and Ohio State, you come away feeling really good about Michigan and the way that they would match up against those two teams. That's where I am right now. You mentioned a couple of really interesting things, and it's, it's I'm seeing a lot of – so lately I've been really indulging in the Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, for you – which is not something I normally like. Okay, I, I've curated my own list. I want to see who my, what I want to see. And lately, I've really enjoyed the For You because I'm seeing a lot of the Michigan State uh, fan Twitter accounts and the Ohio State fan Twitter accounts try to convince themselves that their offense is better than Michigan's because they've got more yards, that, they, you know, that their defense is maybe better for whatever reason. Uh, but... I mean, you've touched on a couple of different things that are interesting. Number one, you're not seeing the full Michigan experience for four quarters. Number two, uh, it, it's they're not they haven't necessarily played anybody, but you're still seeing them going out and doing what they want to do. How much do you think those things matter? And obviously, we're not going to see Michigan take on a team that is considered to be a relatively even contest until mid-November when they go to Penn State. Right. So, what what are your right. thoughts on the the uh, to just to dig a little bit deeper, what are your thoughts on Michigan hasn't maybe played anybody or, or just the fact that Michigan has been able to rest, that they haven't been able to put out a full four quarters with the starters? Yeah, well, I mean, I think they're definitely handling the workloads the way that you'd want to with the schedule like this. Um, and again, I, I don't fault, like, I, I understand people are going to go at their schedule over and over again. This happened last year too. But like when a series gets canceled i mean like you can't do anything about it like jim harbaugh and these players on this team right now can't do anything about the way that the schedule is set up for this season right now in the middle of it um and we also know that their schedule is going to be absolutely loaded next year so like that's just gonna go you know out the door but i think that it, there have been opportunities to learn things about this team and i i know maybe nationally people just you know just kind of blanket are like well they haven't played anybody but as someone who covers the big 10 very closely and is paying attention all the way to the bottom of the league. Rutgers is better. Rutgers is much better defensively. And if they don't get worn down the rest of the year, they're going to win some games. Like they're definitely going to be bowl eligible in my opinion. And I think that they're going to win games by running the ball and with their defense, controlling the game, the way that Greg Shiano likes to do that. So I was impressed by beating Rutgers and, and playing Rutgers the way that Michigan did. And Nebraska came into that game as the best rushing defense in the country. And so for Michigan to dominate the game, to, like, I thought that game could have stayed close for a little bit coming into it. Like, here's how, you know, here's the formula for maybe Nebraska. Don't make mistakes. It just wasn't even close. It wasn't even a question. So to me, like, there are, they're not benchmarks in the same way, like Texas and Oklahoma just had one against each other. But these are opportunities to learn things about Michigan because of the caliber, especially the defenses that they're playing and understanding which teams have gotten better that Rutgers and Maryland in particular have both improved in certain ways 
that are significant. So I am trying to learn from things like that because you're right. We're not going to learn everything that we need to know about the team until the back half of November. And that's just where it is. Like we're going to see Ohio State and Penn State play each other much sooner than that. That's going to really help. We saw Ohio State play Notre Dame. Again, Maryland. I'm high on Maryland too. I thought we learned some stuff about Ohio State in that game. In part, the three quarters where they struggled and then where they were able to pull away. So you're not going to, you're not going to have that with Michigan for a while. So I think you have to, you have to kind of measure it against the standard that Michigan has set for how they want to win games, which is what I'm talking about when we say like a complete performance against, you know, Minnesota, where you're able to play basically every single player that you brought in the travel roster. And so you're checking off all the things that you wanted to do and see out of your players in that game and the depth. So you're getting that, that those game reps for other players, but also again, like we had this conversation a lot last year about, okay, what about, you know, the deep ball and, you know, should JJ throw it more? Can he throw it more? What are his numbers going to be on passes that are 10 yards or longer? Like those are things that you can still watch them progress offensively in, even if they're not playing the best defenses or the best teams in the big 10. Like I still would like to see them stretch the field more that way. Although again, like last year, okay, who's, who's going to be the, the receivers that step up, right? We've seen Michigan use tight ends in really you know productive and efficient ways. Well, Roman Wilson's that guy this year, right? So you have learned that we have seen the connection between him and JJ McCarthy. So again, it's like, you're looking for specific things and also against the standard of the way that Michigan really like presented itself and won the big games the last two years. And so I think you can still envision and see where they might match up or where their strengths and weaknesses are, are going to be against Penn state and Ohio state, even though we still have a month plus to get there. Well, I do want to ask about that. Then we'll, we'll get to the the state news versus Michigan daily uh, of it all. But before, before we even move on, I mean, you had a really interesting point about Rutgers. I mean, when I saw Rutgers, I mean, I've been to how many Rutgers games, uh, whether it's been on the sidelines or up in the press box, I, I think it's been like five or six. I, I haven't covered every single, I, mean, I know I missed the one in 2018. So every other one since then, it was the first time that I saw Rutgers take the field and it was during the opening kickoff that I said, that actually looks like a big 10 team for the first time. Yeah. So that I think is a prescient, uh, prescient notion. And Michigan also said, uh, what Stafford told me before the game, they said, this is the, we feel the biggest contest that we have until Penn state. And they felt like they passed that. So we're going to continue on with Nicole Auerbach from the athletic, from NBC, from are you still doing Sirius XM? I haven't tuned in yep. since Sirius XM. So from Sirius XM. Yeah. And you, uh, does a little bit of everything. I'm just a little bit sleepy, just hearing the, the level of the amount of stuff that you do, but nonetheless, we'll get back to you in just a moment before we do, uh, continue on with Nicole. Uh, listen, prize picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It, it's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. And you pick more than or less than on a two to six, uh, player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. Uh, prize picks is the most fun I've had winning 25 uh, times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry with quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types that are what makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Uh, so anyway, go to prizepicks.com 
slash lockdown college. You can use the promo code lockdown college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars as prizepicks.com lockdown slash lockdown college using the promo code lockdown college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Additionally, y'all know how many times I have told you about my concert going experience always being last minute last year, uh, trying to go to Justin Bieber. Ended up spending a fortune, was really stressed. Sarah was like, I want to go, wanted to get floor seats. I know Nicole just recently went to Taylor Swift out in SoFi uh, with our with our other good friend. Uh, uh, why are the, I just can't remember names all of a sudden. Uh, anyway, Mike Golick Jr. Uh, there's an easy way to make sure that you secure your ability to go to a concert, to a sporting event, to a comedy show, whatever it is, you don't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next event because game time exists. It's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with last minute deals. They're killer. Absolutely amazing. All in prices view from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. So last minute tickets check all the way up until the, the actual event starts. That's the amazing thing. Also, you can see the seats. I, I I told you about when I went and saw Wicked and I was behind a column. That date did not go well. Anyway, game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, everything under the sun. Uh, with zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And with the game time guarantee, that means that you'll never, you'll always rather get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less game time, we'll credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on college for $20 off of your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's continue back with Nicole. Uh, if you wonder why I, I'm like, it seems like this arm is shaking is because I have a, a puppy down here that wants all of the attention right now. Aww. Do you want to come on screen? Everyone always asks to see Zuri when they're watching it on video. There she kind of is. Aww. She just demands She's all of the attention. Um, and, uh, she heard your voice and she came running. So that says something about <laughs> Unicole. Uh, it's something positive, of course. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about all of the rivals next, and we can start with the next time that Michigan's going to see a rival and that's Michigan state. But as you alluded to an important game that I, I've never seen it in person. But I literally every Friday night before the the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, I'm always checking the accounts of uh, of anyone who has ever been involved with the Michigan Daily, current and past, to see what what the reaction is when invariably, inevitably, the Michigan Daily blows out the state news in the annual uh, touch flag football game. And yet it has been canceled by the state news. They they offered instead uh, to have a joint editorial to make real change in which that uh, has drawn the ire of all of the Michigan Daily students that have been long waiting for the, their opportunity to partake. What are your thoughts on all of this? What's the real solution here that uh, should, should they just continue the game as normal? What do you think? 
Well, I am crushed to hear that it's not going to happen this year. I hope that they are able to sit down the students on both sides and bring it back next year. Um, it, it's something that is just like really important and a such a unique experience for student papers. Like there's not that many rivalries across the country that have all these pieces to them that are not tied to the actual football game or like the day of. And we love and celebrate all of the weird traditions that are around games and all the things that people do. And this one is the student newspapers playing touch football the night before the game. It's always in the college town of where the game is. So, you know, we would play on like Elbow Field and they would rent out, you know, whatever the field is next to um, Spartan Stadium. It's not good football. Like these are, these are unathletic sports writers, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's, you know, for, as, as a daily, like we were 4-0 in my years, which most of my friends are because it's been 18 straight years that the daily has won this game. But we would practice for the month leading up. And, and like there was just all of this like staff camaraderie across sections because it wasn't only a sports section that would play. And that was really fun. Like we looked forward to those practices. We looked forward to the game and, you know, getting face paint for it and, and, you know, what everyone was going to wear and, and how we were going to do it. And then like, I feel connected to the staffs after me by checking in on that game. Like it's how you stay up with who's there. Like who are the students now? Who are the sports editors now? And it, it definitely is heated and I can understand people thinking that the rivalry itself and kind of every piece of that, including the student newspaper rivalry is maybe too toxic right now. And again, that's why I'm like, well, maybe, you know, let, let cooler heads prevail and, and work something out, but it ties like the daily kids to the state news kids. Like Chris Manini and I talk about this all the time because we are close friends now at the athletic, but like we hated each other because we played against each other in the daily state news game for three years. And I did not grow up in the state of Michigan. So I didn't have this like innate hate for Michigan state as a Michigan student. I hated the state news. Like that was my, I cared so much more about beating the state news than about the game that was played the next day, because it was, you had dueling columns in the student newspapers that day too. And it just like, it was, it was a true rivalry. So Chris and I talk about that now because like, I think that makes us closer friends now because like we experienced this thing together. And I'm friends with a lot of people who played on the other side of that game and they tried to do an alumni game one year. I, I know, you know, it, it can be dangerous. Again, these are unathletic people who are trying to do athletic things for a little bit. It is not attractive football. I made my parents come one year and they were like, what the hell did you bring us to? Cause no one was scoring touchdowns. Like it was, it was, it was rough. It's again, it's not pretty. It's not aesthetically pleasing, but I hope they're able to bring it back because it is, again, it's something that so many other friends who've gone to other schools have said they were jealous that they never had anything like it. It was something that brought our staff together and then ultimately a shared experience that helps me keep up with the current students and also the alums on the other side. So I'm hopeful it comes back, but um, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen this year. And that's a huge bummer, but you know, it's not my decision. And I hope that people who are going to make the decision uh, can get together and hopefully make a different one next year. Yeah. I think it's important to have that collegial kind of spirit as well, especially with, a, like you said, the rivalry is pretty toxic at this point. I mean, uh, I certainly don't even want to go to the game in East Lansing uh, in a, a week and a half. 
but I was very much looking forward to, you know, I, I check your Twitter account. I check Scott Bell, obviously very different former Michigan daily experiences as far as the types of things that you're going to see. But uh, when it came to that game, it was just, it, it was the camaraderie that continues to exist. So it is a shame that that, that that is uh, going by the wayside for this year, at least. And, and especially I have fond moments just thinking about even, I mean, when you were in school, because I've, I followed you on Twitter all the way back when, uh, not to, not to make you sound old. Cause I'm a heck of a lot older. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, that, that was kind of, I think when I finally learned of the game, I didn't know about it when I was, in, when I was a Michigan student and that would have been when the streak started, I think, I don't know. Yeah. 18. I mean, I'm still going to text Vanini and Joe Rex road and all my pals on the other side when this game is not played because we're still, still 18 and out. we're still unbeaten here and still on a winning streak. Um, but yeah, it's going to feel different not having that. Like I I've covered that game the day after. Mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as an alum, like for, you know, the athletic or USA today. And like, that's what people are buzzing about. That's what everyone's talking about. And so that'll be, that'll be a little bit, bu- bit of a bummer to not have that too. So hopefully it comes back. Um, that would be my plea to, uh, to those who can make it happen next year. We're going to continue on with Nicole Auerbach from the athletic NBC sports, Sirius XM. She's everywhere. We're going to continue on with her in just one moment. But before we do listen, I am, am someone who has long wanted to, to get one of these and I went out and did it and I am so happy that I did. I got it for Sarah and the boys so that they have no worries. In particular, I'm going to get a separate one for me before too long. And I'm talking about the Jace case. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It gives you the peace of mind so that you aren't just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Listen, with everything that's going on in the world right now, don't get caught flat-footed. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. And Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared, especially in what, Seem to be pretty scary times right now. Uh, so get $20 off of these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Well, let's stay on the rivals here, uh, but let's let's not. We don't need to talk about Michigan State. We, I, I've spent plenty of time talking about Michigan State. The ones that are expected to be the challengers to Michigan are Penn State and Ohio State. Like you said, you you've paid attention to where they are and what they what you see from them. What 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 do you see fr- from both of those teams? What do you feel like you've learned, and how do you think they compare to Michigan in this moment? Yeah, I mean it's going to be really interesting because one of the most insightful quotes I think we got from anyone last year was James Franklin talking about how they had spent the last however many years recruiting to try to beat Ohio state. And so that was like the type of athlete and, and literally like the measurements and the skill sets for like the defensive line. Mm -hmm. And then Michigan comes in and elevates and they play so differently. Right. And they want to just bulldoze you up front, control the clock, less worried about, you know, the athletes in space and spreading out your defense. And that, that was going to be a problem for, for Penn state. Like they're going to have to adjust how they're recruiting. And I still think that Penn state 
is probably built better to beat Ohio State because of that, because of the way that they both recruit and where their their strengths are. Um, so I'll start with Penn State because I was there for their opener against West Virginia, which that's gonna that's a better win than I think people thought it was gonna be because West Virginia has been better than we thought they were going to be. And the I only lost so far, I believe, right? That's their only loss, and Neil Brown has basically coached himself off the hot seat. So that has been impressive. Um, but that was Drew Aller's first start, big time atmosphere, and he looked really good. He's been up and down. They've had to win games despite, you know, he's thrown for under 50% uh, against Illinois in different moments. They struggled in that first half against Northwestern. So the, the questions are for them, you know, where are the explosive plays? They, they, they had so many of them last year. Both of the running backs would, would break off these big runs. Um, this is an offense that we've seen so many great receivers come out of because they've had these just, you know, just incredible deep balls and, and you know, one-on-one uh, that come down with the ball. And we haven't really seen that this year. I think the so, you know, they, they've obviously been a little bit more consistent and they've been winning. And I think they're comfortable in the way that they've won these games, but still missing that piece. Also want to know, you know, defensively, like they've been able to get, they got a lot of negative plays against you know, Northwestern. They've got individual stars on each level. But again, you know, when they're up against an offense like an Ohio State or a Michigan, where are we going to see that? Where are their real strengths and weaknesses defensively? I think those are going to be really interesting. And then Ohio State, you know, they go and they, they beat Notre Dame in a game that I think they were outplayed. But that final drive, you learn so much about Kyle McCord and who this offense can be. And the defense has been improved overall. I thought Notre Dame and Sam Hartman would have would be able to pick apart a lot from that defense. They, they didn't do that. But Maryland was outplaying Ohio State for, for most of that game a week ago. And if, 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 if Leah Tengabailoa like didn't keep both teams in the game and make mistakes because he's done that, mm. then they could have been in control in that game. And it would have been really interesting to see how Ohio State would respond. But I still think they've got questions got questions about the run game. Can they establish a run game? Can it be consistent? And then again, you know, what about some of these quarterbacks that are going to be able to, to pick it apart? Even Maryland, I know the rushing stats weren't impressive at the end of the day, but it looked like they were able to run and, and get yardage when they needed to uh, against this defense. So still have a lot of questions about the, the defense as a whole. Obviously they've been limiting the amount of explosive plays this year compared to years past, but part of the reason that, you know, Lou Holtz had some points, right, in his critiques of Ohio State is because no matter what Ohio State does, and Ryan Day has obviously been on this, this point about toughness and saying that, like, you know, getting that final yard against Notre Dame proved something about how tough they are. The toughness is going to come in the Michigan game. Like, this narrative was set because of the way Michigan beat them two years ago. And that's what they are fighting. So it's going to – we can learn a lot about Ohio State but we won't learn everything we need to until they are lined up against Michigan. And Michigan's offensive line is trying to bully their defensive front. And that's where we'll learn if Ohio State has improved, if Ohio State's defense is different, if they can actually win that rivalry game. Because Michigan is still built in the way that they want to and the way that they know they can win that game. And Ohio State's the one that needs to prove that they can do it differently. And so I think you're still going to have all those questions until those specific two teams meet. But I do think Ohio State and Penn State have flaws. And it'll be interesting to see when they play each other, but then also like how they address and try to improve as the season goes on. 
because again, Kyle McCord had one great drive. Want to see, you know, how that plays out into the rest of the season. But I still don't know that I have as much faith in this offense as a whole that I've had over the last couple of years. And especially the lack of the run game has been concerning because you've had, you know, Travion Henderson coming back and, and the flashes we've seen from him when he was healthy. I, I just I just still have a lot of questions, I think, about both of those teams. And despite Michigan not playing the level of competition that certainly Ohio State has played today, I just feel like they are close to playing exactly how they want and they are taking teams out of games. Like they are just closing the door and they are just sucking the life out of them in these games, which is something that I think Ohio state fans and Penn state fans would like to see. They won't, they don't want to see a first half like Penn state and Northwestern. They don't want to see what Maryland was doing to Ohio state for almost three quarters. Like they want to win games the way that Michigan is winning their games. So I feel like they're further along into the identity of who they are, what they want to be and so consistent on, on both sides right now that yes, I still want to see, you know, again, stretching the field, um, you know, what that could do to open up things for the run game. Donovan Edwards has been a lot quieter than, than I was expecting him to be this year, but I have less questions about Michigan than I do the other two. You know, there, there are two interesting points out of that. And I think the, the one that is something that I noticed that P- PJ Fleck in his post game, we talked about this on the show a couple of days ago. I've never seen a coach just completely, he, he didn't go in and say, well, if we just would have executed better, we weren't being ourselves or whatever. It was like the entire time was, did you guys see how great Michigan was? Like he was almost yeah. gushing over Michigan. I've never seen that type of thing ha- happen. And I, I think that that's, I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting. And and also with the, the Ohio state toughness, I think the most apt uh, quote that I saw come out of that in response to Ryan day was my former mentor, Steve Lorenz over at 24 seven sports. who said, I wasn't sure until 20 seconds ago that Michigan is in Ryan day's head. And it's oh, yeah. pretty Definitely. obvious at this point. So I'll be interested to see how the, how those games come along, but Nicole, we'll let you go. You can follow her at uh, Nicole Auerbach on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. I want to call it Twitter, but, you know, I don't want to confuse anybody. Uh, you can also see her on NBC Sports. You can read her stuff on The Athletic, which I do. I am a subscriber to The Athletic, a paid subscriber. And you can listen to her on SiriusXM after full ride on uh, at the 1 o'clock hour intermittently. Depends on the day. Uh, and she does an excellent job. And she is a Michigan alumna. so give her praise <laughs> so thank you for right, well, joining us yeah thanks for having me anytime <laughs>